Welcome back to The Real Housewives of Hockey. Thank you, as always, for listening. We really appreciate every single listener that uh, drops in. So, I'm Riley. I'm Evan. I'm Stu. And uh, today, we are going to start heavy. Today's going to be... We're going to start off talking about really important things, and then... We will make it lighter later on, so if you don't want to hear about the heavy things, skip ahead. That's totally fine. We understand, but there's more to life than hockey, and it's important to talk about it. So today to start off, I just want to say what's happening in the States is absolutely disgusting. It's fucking horrendous, and I think that the States are slowly becoming one of the worst countries you can possibly live in. And the reasoning for that is they've overturned the Roe v. Wade precedent. And this has a ton of impacts throughout many people's lives. For starters, this allows uh, open doorways to removing the ability to have abortions, which, what does not having abortions do? It means that if you're in a case of sexual assault and you have a child, or and you're pregnant, you have to have the child. You might end up resenting that child. You might need therapy from that child. If you were sexually assaulted and the person doesn't stay around or doesn't financially assist you, you could be stuck in a really bad situation of poverty. It's possible that you can't even afford to survive through the pregnancy and that you have to be eating more to try to survive and help carry this child. And then when they are born, they don't. the states don't care. They only care and give a shit that you have this child. They don't give a shit what happens to it once it's out. And we're going to see tons of rises in, in adoption, and I don't see anyone saying that there's going to be more funding there. I, I'm also intrigued by all these people that are pro-life, and yet they support wars going on, and they, they are often people who are going out and buying guns and hunting, so your morals really make no fucking sense to me. This also has massive infects, effects on gay marriage and how that will go down because this had more to do with privacy and more had to do with human rights than just abortion. I know that's the main topic that's coming at hand because there's a ton of impacts that can go there, but we could also see a lot of states repealing laws on gay marriage and that also has such a backwards impact. We're just taking massive steps back. The other one that's not talked about as much is this also affects privacy laws. For example, if you're a woman right now in the States and you use a menstrual cycle app, delete it. Get rid of it today. They are now legally allowed to use that data on that on your app if you say that you had unprotected sex and then you don't log on for five days, let's say, they can use that as precedent or use that as evidence to show that you had an abortion. And these are apps that help women, that help women understand what they're going through, that help them track what's going on in their life, to be able to talk to their doctor with as much openness as possible. And we're taking away their privacy to that. And that's really fucked up. Now, I'm up here in Canada, and I don't want to sound like I'm on my high horse saying, oh, the states are, are all bad. It's just, we do have a much better system in place in Canada currently, but we're not perfect. For example, Trudeau keeps on mentioning that he's going to legislate um, abortions. He's going to legislate the 
the ability to make that choice and hasn't. I was reading a Global Mail uh, opinion piece mentioning how it appears the way that he's going about it is he's maintaining the openness of it and saying that he's going to as a way to continue to get votes. Which, if that's true, Trudeau, you should be fucking ashamed of yourself. But we see many, many MPs across Canada who are very, very pro-life. And I hate that term, pro-life, because you're not accounting for the, the quality of that life whatsoever. At all. It's disgusting. It truly disgusts me. I don't understand how, if you're an American citizen, how you're not out protesting, how you're not out, out speaking against this. If you are sitting there silent, not even having a conversation about it, you are part of the fucking problem. Just know that. Alright, I'm, I'm done. Well, and I wanted to, I want to talk a little bit about Riley's, uh, talk about Canadians and Canada. Uh, in May, um, there were an unclear number of Canadian MPs who blocked a motion to recognize the freedom of choice for abortion in Canada. So, for us in Canada, we're not above this, and it could happen, like, something like this could happen here, too. We we can't stand up on our moral high horse and say it will never happen. The other thing is, this won't stop abortions. It will just stop legal, safe abortions. People will still need to get abortions, and they will turn to coat hangers in a dark alley. Like, it's a huge problem, and a lot of Americans, I don't know the exact numbers the last time I checked, but want a better healthcare system. This is part of a better healthcare system. This is a woman, a woman's health, a woman's right to choose, and it's it's ridiculous that we still have a a court that in the world that says they can't. Well, I, I don't know. I think that stunned silence really speaks for itself. I guess being the American here amongst us, I have a really close friend of mine, and we talk a lot about, like, you know, current events and different things like that. And, you know, we were talking when I was at work today just briefly, and, like, she doesn't even know what to say anymore. And she's just, she she told me, like, I don't know whether to be, just like angry or sad and she just told me she's like i'm just numb at this point and it's it is really sickening it's disgusting um and you think about it right the overall issue as a whole um the u.s has the highest uh maternal mortality rate amongst developed countries in the world uh is in part due to a lack of health care um, support 
right? Whether it's midwives or different types of support when you're pregnant and going through pregnancy, even post-pregnancy. Um, and I don't understand why, when you already have an issue like that, why you would cut out even more medical services. If you think about it, it just, it's like antithetical to trying to solve the whole problem when you think about it, especially a country as developed and wealthy as the United States. It really makes no sense. Yeah, I don't want to bore our listeners with statistics, but it's uh, it's a major problem. And, and I think that we're going to just see that mortality, maternal mortality rate increase. Think about the people that might be going through you know, unwanted, unsafe pregnancies now because of lack of access to legal abortions, whether those are friends, you know, daughters, just go down the list of like the roles that these people play in other people's lives. It just, yeah, it's sickening and it's embarrassing. And I'll leave it at that. Well, and I wanted to mention a little bit just from, from the sports world, side of things uh we are a, a hockey nhl podcast primarily but the nba the wnba uh megan rupino uh are, are are among the the athletes that have spoken out and the leagues that have spoken out uh billy jean king iconic former tennis player uh said that, that this is a sad day in the united states I, can't see how she's wrong. But we haven't seen anything at all from any NHL team or NHL Twitter. I was scrolling through before we jumped on the podcast and everything in the NH on the NHL Twitter is just regular it's Stanley Cup final game five. And I, I disagree with that. It 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 can't be just business as normal. I'm gonna end this discussion if you don't mind, guys. You have more to say, or no? It's okay. Let's. Uh, so I'm gonna end with on. a quote from Desmond uh, Tutu, who says, "If you are neutral in times of injustice, you have taken the side of the oppressor." I think that's important to hear and it's important to important to embrace honestly moving on still a very heavy topic but Stu do you want to tell us what's going on with the CHL sure uh so in the the CHL if you haven't heard already uh and within hockey Canada so there, there were eight Players involved in an alleged sexual assault uh, in London after a Hockey Canada golf tournament, which was held in celebration for the World Junior team that had won gold uh, the previous year. And eight of these young men who were all on CHL, Canadian Hockey League rosters, according to sources, um, like TSN, uh, and Rick Westhead was sort of the first, uh, on reporting on this and big, big props to him for being on, on this story. But so they 
were involved with this sexual assault of uh, a woman in a hotel room, and I won't go into all of the details, but maybe check out TSN, Sportsnet, uh, other places have uh, articles about all of the details, which are gruesome, but I think important to read. And so what this has led to was, so Hockey Canada uh, test were called to testify in at the, the Canadian Parliament, and the government of Canada has frozen any federal funding to the organization until they send all of their sexual assault cases and any other misconduct cases to an outside arbitrator that is named by the by the parliament and we won't have any more of them coming to parliament saying we settled a case when we didn't know any of the names of the players involved another article uh i wanted to mention and this is one that uh I, I had seen, but Evan also forwarded it to our little group chat, uh, and I had given it a read. And it was uh, an article that was uh, jo- a joint joint piece of work from Ian Mendez, Katie Strang, and Dan Robson of The Athletic. Uh, Dan Robson, perhaps the one of the best feature writers in all of sports journalism. Uh, Katie Strang, one of the really important voices upcoming in in investigative journalism. And then Ian Mendez, who's uh, the Ottawa Senator's beat writer. But he said in a, a recent mailbag that this is sort of the kind of work he really wants to do more of because he thinks it's, it's super important, and I agree with him. Uh, and so they chronicled the rampant sexual assault culture in junior hockey in Canada uh, and how it's just often swept into the news cycle. It's sort of it, a case comes up, we talk about it for a month or two, and then it gets knocked out by the next one. And we're on to the next thing. And I think that, that Hockey Canada freezing their funding is huge. And I think that if they're going to get their funding back, which they kind of should should want to, and anytime your your money is threatened, fourteen million dollars. Yeah, exactly. Um, you have to to act. Uh, and there is a really good article uh, as well by Bruce Arthur of the Toronto Star, who wrote that. This is a systematic problem that Hockey Canada has. There are two to three sexual assault cases a year brought to Hockey Canada. So this is a problem in the junior ranks that absolutely needs to be fixed. And I think education, education, education uh, is the, the first thing. And then the second thing is accountability on teams, leagues, players, and just making sure that people continue to receive education and act like good people. At the end of the day, that's what this is about, is act like you're 
like for junior for junior hockey players, you're often sort of treated like you're on top of the world. You might be. You got to act that way. Yeah, I, I think you covered it really well. Like, it is a systematic issue. It's something that needs to be not only addressed and is being addressed, which is good to see. And they are putting in places to break the system so it's not all handled internally. It is going to go to an external source. That's a really big step. They're forcing it to happen with the freeze. But I just want to point out that because these people were underage, they were asked voluntarily if they wanted to be involved in the investigation. And it's like it's reported that it was three to four that did out of 21. Is that not sickening? I understand that these people are under the age of 18, about to go on a massive career. Their lawyers are probably saying, don't say anything, don't say anything. But I don't know how you can live with yourself right now, making millions of dollars, knowing what you've done and understanding that, yeah, you were young and people make mistakes, but you got to own up to them. That's the whole thing. You learn from mistakes. Yes, we do. But you can't just sweep it under the rug and say that you've learned, you've, you've moved on. Who gives well, a shit? You, who gives a shit if you moved on? And also, sir, I, I think it, at some point too, certain mistakes cost you the, the spot in junior hockey, the right to be drafted to the NHL. Like, pro sports leagues have codes of conduct that you have to follow. And so they can say, this is against our code of conduct. It's up to a league to say, this is against our code of conduct. We don't stand for it. And we haven't seen enough of that. We'll see what happens with uh, the Deshaun Watson case in the NFL, where he had 24 cases of sexual assault against him. I know that 20 have since been settled, but the NFL still hasn't made a decision yet. We'll see what happens there. But what, what happens in these cases really has a huge implication on what the NHL, the NFL, pro sports think of their female fans. Yeah. Because if you if you don't address these in a a proper manner, then you're telling the women that want to support your game that you don't care about them. Yeah. They're like yeah. I I'm lost for words at both these, like, at these situations. And I know it's our job to talk about them, but, like, when it really hits you, like, and you understand what's going on, like, it's hard. Like, hockey, or, like, life trumps sports. We, like, I know I love my, I love hockey, like, so much, but if I had to say, like, I'd give up ever watching a hockey game again to know that like we could remove sexual assault from the world done with not even a second thought I mean I think you guys did a good job of talking about the issue the specific piece from the athletic I think was really eye opening so for people that 
you know, was Stu was saying, like, go ahead and, you know, read about the details. Yes, they are gruesome, disgusting. I could go on with the very long list of adjectives, but the point of it is that at least just be aware of, like, what the heck is going on. Because, you know, one part of it you guys were talking about is, oh, moving on, this and that. But I also think, like, for players to just move on without addressing everything, it's just denial at the end of the day. And that doesn't help anyone. It doesn't help anything. But thank goodness we have articles like this because it shows at least some form of accountability from the media, right? The media won't let this go away. You know, there's a quote from the athletic article that I think I could use. Um, I think they said there was a time when the when the advice we got to deal with these stories was, "Don't say nothing; it's going to go away." Now you look at the Hockey Canada case; it's not going away. There's an expectation that we need to be transparent, and so I hope with that that we can move forward and actually, you know improve bit by bit because i don't think this is an easy issue to to solve it's a systemic problem that we have it's a cultural problem that we have um objectifying people thinking that you know we're superior you know xyz someone is superior to someone else it's all bullshit at the end of the day pardon my french but i think something else that was interesting that the athletic article covered was punishing perpetrators right punishing sexual predators because whether they realize it or not it, that's what they're doing they're being sexual predators they're being disgusting humans they're at the scum of this earth logan Mayu's getting a second chance and which disgusts me as a montreal fan right when bergerman drafted him i was so freaking mad i was so pissed stain that that put on an organization of storied as the Montreal Canadiens. I was like, are you kidding me? I feel like as a storied franchise, if anything, we have a, like, a larger role in a sense, or there's, there's that feeling of assuming a larger, more important role, right? Being, being such a, being an original six franchise in the NHL, like, come on. And I think well, it just tells you everything that you need to know, you know, from hockey personnel. The, the Toronto Maple Leafs are no, no saint either. They had a whole assault scandal at Maple Leaf Gardens with ushers that were sexually assaulting young boys. Like the the organizations that people put up on this pet put put up on this pedestal, the Chicago Blackhawks, another pillar of the league, they were involved with a sexual assault case earlier this year like we can't close our eyes to this and as much as people would love for sports to be an escape from life and sports has been an escape from things in my life it can't always be because sports are part of society and we live in a society I think the leagues need to wake the fuck up and realize sweeping things under the rug and just pretending they don't exist and, like, trying to move on with, you know, haha, look at this cute dog in a, in a St. Louis jersey isn't your answer. Your answer is, if you can come down and deal with these issues, you're going to get way more respect from people. 
way fucking more respect. Not only are you going to be a better league for it, not only are you going to, like, if the, if the NHL came out and started enforcing that policy, enforcing their con- code of conduct more, if they came out and they said, listen, we're going to have zero tolerance about this, we hear any sort of rumor we're investigating, slash we're having investigations done from outside counsel, they're going to get way more respect. And it's really other think that. The other but, thing, yeah. too, is with these with these investigations that hopefully come when they need to come, they can't be 100% behind closed doors. Like, yes, I understand that there is a certain amount of due process and legal uh, behind, clo- behind closed doors-ness. But at the end of the day, if you're going to do this huge investigation and not release anything about it, you might as well not you might as well not do the investigation. I'm sorry, but being transparent in these investigations is almost as important as doing them. I do I do think there is a fine line there cuz like there's a difference between being accused and being found guilty. So maybe when you are being transparent, you're saying we're looking into an investigation on a player from X team. Uh, even that will create speculation, but releasing the name when you're saying you're doing the investigation might be the wrong move because then everyone might just have a tainted image of this person. And, and even yeah, if the investigation is sure. false, like I agree with you, there needs to be more, more transparency, but I think there is that there is a line there for sure. Like if you, if you say you're investigating, a specific team for sexual assault. I think you can do that and not yep. name names until they come out in an investigation. Yep. At the same time too, like I think that like leagues can be allowed to set their own level of what to punish and how to punish. Like the NFL I know that I've, I've used the NFL a couple of times, but they've often been in the news for sexual assault cases. The NFL suspended Ben Roethlisberger before anything was proven in court. Like, they don't necessarily need to... Like, I don't necessarily agree with sort of a kangaroo court of the NHL that gets to make decisions be all end all, but if it's making sure that Sexual assault, sexual sexual predators, people committing sexual assault aren't playing in the best league in the world because they've lost that privilege, then that's a good thing. Now, I will say, like, I give a lot of credit to the way that the NHL handled, like, drug offenses affecting their code of, of conduct. I think they've done a good job with, like, their rehabilitation is it a rehabilitation program? Uh, maybe I'm using the wrong words here. No, it, you're right there. Uh, yeah. They they offer you to go to a treatment facility. They don't force you, and they don't release anything unless you specifically say you're okay to let them release it. And I I think they've done a great job with that. I give do give them a lot of credit for that. So hey, you're capable. I'm not coming here and saying you're the worst people ever. You need to, like, 
change everything you've ever thought about or done. Like, they do have some great things going for them. But be better. Say it with me. Be Be better. Yeah, it's, at the end of the day, it's, we all love this sport, or we all love sport in general, and we just want to make sure that it is the best place it can be. Stu hit it on the head there, right? Sport, sports shouldn't be a point of division, right? The power of sports is that it galvanizes people. Right when you when you look at right another fan of the same franchise right if you root for the same team doesn't matter whatever X Y Z is that everything else goes out the window you you're rooting for the same team you're on the same side of the same fans right like just let's not waste that that's a pretty special thing the power of sports and. We can build a community. I think that's also what makes sports so tremendous, right? The, the aspect of, of being in a team or being a part of something bigger than yourself. That's something really powerful. And I think that, you know, that should be used in the right way here. And let's not, let's not really, like, tarnish that aspect of what we all love so much. All right, moving on to a bit of a lighter note. We're going to play a little fun game where we're going to have a random number generated to decide who drafts in what order, and we're going to beat this top six game. So each of us are going to draft three forwards, two defensemen, and a goalie, and afterwards we'll do a small little chat about why we think which team would be the best. And this is all-time players just sort of picking our, our, our best teams. No theme other than pound the other teams into the ground. Yep. All right. Evan up first. You can take that literally or figuratively. So, Evan, I just rolled for you. You're going to be picking third and fourth. Okay. Stu, you're going to be picking first. All right. I will take Mario. All right. Super Mario. I'm going to take Dominic Hasek. Mm. Taking uh, Nick Lidstrom. And, uh, hmm. I'll take Patrick Watt, too. All right, me again? Yep. I'm going to take Kale McCarr. Do you get to pick toys? Uh, Mr. Robert Orr. And, hmm. Give me Rod Langway. Rod Langway. Interesting. I'm going to take Scott Stevens. Wasn't expecting that. Riley's embracing the beat them up. Uh, I don't know, man. A deep partner of Makar Stevens? <laughs> that's, that's scary. I'm gonna you give got you one guy to move the puck, and you got one guy to get the puck back. Exactly. <laughs> I thought about Pronger there, but... All right, Evan, we go to you. Now I have one pick or two picks? You get two. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm taking Alex Ovechkin. Mm. And I'll take Al McInnes. Greatest slap shot in history. Charo? Or, sorry, Martin Furk? 
<laughs> no, he has he has the most powerful, but McKinnis, the accuracy yeah. on that thing is insane. The guy could literally shoot it anywhere. No denial, no denial. I'm gonna take Dadsuk. Why, why did you have to do me dirty like that? Why didn't you pick him? <laughs> he was because I was board. hoping that you guys would pick someone else. You... Yeah, anyway, well, I'm not gonna say what I was gonna say because you know we're just gonna cut that anyway. But you know. You know, you probably know what I was going to say, Riley. You cheeky. Anyway, our li- our listeners can fill in the blanks there. Yeah. Okay. Stu? Uh, I get two in a row here. Two in a row? Okay, well, I'm going to take Gretzky. Wow, he's got Super Mario and Gretzky, huh? <laughs> yep. Damn. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> wow, that's okay. <laughs> Riley, look over. Look at what we're letting him do here. <laughs> uh, and I'm gonna take Forsberg. Ooh, that would be, be that would be Peter. Ooh. Okay. I'm not taking Philip Forsberg, just for clarity. I think there's a tiny difference there, you know. Like <laughs> <laughs> no offense to Philip. All right, I'm gonna take Mark Stone. I pick. Yep, I got one. You get twice. I got twice. Um, I'm taking Sidney Crosby, superstar grinder of all time. Honestly, the guy's insane. Um, oh man, you have the reps on your side now. Yep, there you go. Y'all are gonna lose. Um, you know, you know what? Just because, you know what? Yeah, just because I can do this. I'm gonna take Connor McDavid too. Oh, so I'm gonna, I'm then gonna take Bob Gainey. What? What? Did, what are you doing, Riley? Riley? What do you mean? Riley shows that never get scored against. <laughs> you would never, you would never do this on any other thing. You chose Datsuk and Gainey and, and Scott Stevens. Okay, the Scott Stevens thing yeah. I understand because you like hit and boom and stuff with that stuff. But like, I'm surprised with the Datsuk and Ganey. And you know, surprise on the Mark Stone. Oh well, not you know what? Cohesively, that's a that's a pretty scary shutdown line. I'll, I'll give you that. Yeah. I knew but, you guys were you guys were going to pick all out offense. So what am I going to do? Point of point of parliamentary inquiry. Yeah. <laughs> Um, am I required to stick with, uh, NHL players? If you don't pick an NHL player, you really have to, like, go to bat and, like, talk about why they beat out them. So you gotta, like, debate it better. I would allow it, that's my opinion, but you gotta be ready to, like, back it up. Okay, I'm taking Tarachak. Wait, wait, Evan gets a say, doesn't he? Yeah, okay. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm okay with it, but, like... Just because you said you said it, I think it's just going to be really interesting for the conversation, so I'm going to allow it. I thought about taking Trenchyx, do. Wait, who did you end up taking and not? Me or... Riley, yeah, Riley took Hashik first over. <laughs> that was his first pick. Oh, nice, nice, nice. I so took, and I took Hashik's first initial goalie coach. That's true. So uh, my first point is you gave me two MVPs, Stu. <laughs> in just Hashik. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How many MVPs? 
How many MVPs do I have? <laughs> At least two. You have a lot, is what it's good. Because Gretzky had, like, what, five in a row? <laughs> Wait, I mean, him and Lemieux are... literally owned that award. And, like, between, like, like the 80s and 90s, it was insane. So, wait, Evan, what was your team? So, uh, I had uh, Crosby, Ovi, and McDavid at forward. I put McDavid on the on, on the wing. Ovi at center? Makes sense. <laughs> no, uh, Crosby at center. And uh, I have Lichstrom on the left and McKinnis on the right. Um, but, you know, honestly, both of them are so good, they could probably play either side. It doesn't really matter. And then I have Patrick Waugh and Nutt. What about you guys? Oh, we have it in the in the dock if you want to like look at it. Oh, Just so we can visually see it. Very good, very good. I'll take a look. Hold on. Yeah, I'll add my um, own too. Ooh, this is man. Spicy. This is tough. This is spicy. The Langway pick surprised me, uh, Stu, but that's a good pick. He was a very good defenseman. Yeah, my only thing. Yeah, yeah. Professional Hockey Writers Association best defensive. Player, best defensive defenseman award is the Rod Langway. Yep, it's one that they they vote on, but it doesn't get. Uh, it's not like officially recognized by the NHL for some reason, which I think is I don't know. We have a most defensive forward, and yeah, well, essentially the Norris Trophy gets handed to not every year, but mostly you have to have some real good offensive numbers to get the the Norris, right? What was the stat about um about Tyson Berry? Wasn't it he's the first to have the most points as a defenseman and not win it? He was the first in a while. Yeah. I forget how many years exactly, but yeah, he was the first in a while to have the most points and not get it. Thought about taking Jumbo and putting him on the wing. But like the year that he was like in the got selkie nods, when there is a uh, a Twitter campaign, it was Jumbo for selkie. That's the one. I don't know, man. I'm trying to decide who wins what here, and it's it's not easy. I think if it comes down to it, I might win a bunch of games in OT. Yeah, I was gonna say like your team is just kind of you John- <laughs> you you've got the outside of like. Kind of outside of Kale McCarr, like, your team is... Tortorella's dream. Your team is John Tortorella. <laughs> you're yeah, playing, he's my coach. You're, you're playing for the extra point <laughs> <Yeah>. every night. <laughs> my team is... We're, pl- we're playing to score, like, nine goals on you, except Rod Langway. Yeah, well, Rod Langway's, uh... <laughs> he's, he's doing his thing. And then Evan's also trying to score, like, eight or nine per night. And just let Patrick Waugh and Nick Lidstrom. Al <laughs> McKinnis, do don't, don't, don't discount uh, Al McKinnis. He could play He could play defense, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, no dis- like, Bob, but, like Bobby R. Bobby R. can play defense by having the puck. Yeah, well, there you go. That's why That's why <laughs> I had, that's why I have freaking McDavid. Who's a literally breakout one man breakout machine here? He's the fastest yeah, player. To shut him down. And then I have I have Bobby, I have like literally the most legendary the grinder of all time. Breakout. I had the most super. I have the most legendary superstar grinder of all time in Crosby. And then Ovi is like the greatest goal scorer of all time. So 
I actually disagree with your point on Grosby. I think Dadsuk's the most like grinder. Okay, okay. super. Dad, Dadsuk's the greatest two way two way forward in my opinion. I think I think he was. I don't know. I think he's more explosive than Bergeron personally, offensively. But the defense, you know, there's a whole debate to be had there. To be honest. Well, yeah, you just said two two way, two hundred foot, right? Like I think. Yeah. If you say like it depends on your definition, right? Like best defensive forward. Probably I give it to Bergeron. Yeah, but best two way. I I think the best defensive forward of all time is Bob Gainey. Yeah, that's a yeah. I, I think it's I think it's probably either like Gainey or, or Bergeron. I'm not gonna make a decision. So though, question. Anyway. Uh, Latin Latinan. Latinan is certainly up Latin. there in his prime. I thought it would take Latinan, but I was like, Mark Stone's a little more offensive. Yeah, yeah, he is. I have a question for you guys, because I have an answer in my head, so I'm curious. What is the best two-way season you can name? Wait, what do you, when you say two, like, for, like, someone playing a 200-foot game? Yeah, like, who had the best 200-foot game season you can name? Okay, for whatever reason, this sounds crazy, but, like, just in terms of recent memory, honestly, like, I'm very impressed with what Matthews has done this past season. I was thinking along the same line. No, like, and I'm not. And, and I was thinking Matthews too. Like, the guy scored fucking sixty goals. He had 106 points, 56.76 faceoff percentage, and he had like 92 to like 42. Uh, uh, what was it? Takeaway giveaway ratio or something like. It, and his expect his expected goals were really good yeah it's it, it's was, very it's very impressive i'm just saying like in recent memory that's that pops out to me yeah no he was my thought too because like 200 foot right like there are two ways what i said so you got to think about both ends the only interesting thing that to that that would, there's like a minor crinkle or counter in that is that like for whatever reason like he wasn't on the penalty kill Stu, correct me if i'm wrong apparently he wasn't on the penalty kill but marner was for the Leafs, yeah. So I don't know. I yeah, like Marner's Marner's been penalty killing for like the last three years, and Matthews has hardly penalty killed in the past. We'll see next year, because for a little while, like they were using Spezza, and and then the next year they were using Spezza as like face off, get off, and then this year like David Camp was taking a lot of the draws. Uh, and then staying out as a center and a penalty killer. Uh, but it'll be interesting because Ilya Mikheyev was another guy who was a penalty killer. He'll be go- I, I'm pretty much certain he'll be gone. I think he's priced himself out of Toronto. But what team do you think is paying him what he's asking, Sue? Ottawa might. Okay. Yeah, fair enough then. Yeah. I guess also to just get back to the to the question of the greatest two ways. I don't know. I I feel like one of the Bergeron seasons. Yeah, right? yeah. I think that that for all time discussion even, like has to be in in there. Like it just among I what mean, you consider even even one of the the Jumbo Heart season. Yeah, or one of the the Marshawn years. Yeah, I mean Bergeron is insane. The guy had almost a sixty-two percent face-off win percentage this past season. You look at his defensive metrics across the board; like he kind of killed everyone. It's it's kind of crazy, and he's and he's like, what's well, funny? Like six too. The what's well, funny? Like sometimes the Selkie is a legacy award. Like, oh, this guy hasn't won it yet, or like. 
this guy like just sort of sticks in everybody's brain as a good two as a good two way defensive forward sort of deal. Defensive center and, and, or, and gets the and gets the Selkie. This year, Bergeron got it and absolutely fucking deserved it. Yeah, he he, he was an absolute monster out there. Uh <laughs> You keep on bringing up face-off percentage. So do you think that a winger should or could ever win the Selkie? Absolutely. Yuri Lettinen's an example that he's a right winger. Mark Stone should have one. Yeah, I, I think... The fact that he doesn't is is wrong. Was, so, correct me if I'm wrong, guys. Right? I, I'm pretty sure... I don't... Have, was Mark Stone ever a finalist for the, for the Selkie? Just give me a yes or no, and then I'll say my other bit. Give me one second. Okay, cool. While you're doing that, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna ask you. There, you, you know, it was a very interesting season, um, and and there hasn't been a season like that since. Actually, when it came to people in the conversation for finalists and stuff, I remember when um, I don't remember the year exactly, but this was like within the last eight years for sure, where I believe Hosa and Palat were gaining a lot of consideration for the Selkie, which I found really interesting. So just to Basically, address your question there, Riley. I do think it's totally warranted and impossible that a that a winger should be considered, right? Obviously, center is tr- traditionally based on the position and the importance that they play to their team, especially from in, in a defensive and two way role. I think is more prominent, and it's I think it's easier to see and maybe the impact is easier to notice. I'll say it like that, right? Because there are more metrics to show that that impact. So Mark Stone has been a finalist because uh, I believe they picked the top three for finalists in Selkie. He's been a finalist in one, two, three. That would be four seasons. He's been a finalist for the Selkie. And he totally deserves it. He's excellent. Excellent player. So getting back to what we've done here, I don't think we've come to any sort of decision on who would beat who <laughs> at all. So I think we got to throw this in a sim. We'll get back to our listeners and let them know what, what the game of EA decides. To be continued. I mean, like, do you guys have any idea? Also, we're going to have to make Kurtiaka. Yeah, I was going to say. We're going to have to make a couple of these, I think. Ah, most of them, I think, are in the game. Maybe Rob Langmore? That's what I was saying, but I'm like, Rod yeah, Langway might be on, like, uh, what was it, one of the old Caps teams. You know, like the Icons teams? Yeah. Remember that? I, like, I, think, that. I, I feel like Langway would, would be on, on, on that team. Who knows? Interesting fact about Rod Langway. Hit me. Um, just going just gonna to confirm it because I forget. He is the only... Yeah, he's the only NHL player... Who was ever born in Taiwan? Heck yeah, Taiwan represent. Because he was born in Taiwan. Uh, well, I believe his yeah his his father was an American serviceman, so he was the only NHL player to have been born there. He actually grew up in Massachusetts, but hey, kind of cool. I don't know. He what was also. Sorry. He's a, a, also a little little one more fact. 
Uh, he was drafted sixth overall in the WHA draft and then 36th in the NHL draft. Moving on to more news around the league. Ottawa's relocating to, uh, to downtown Ottawa. You know, the thing they've been trying to do for Check's Notes their entire existence. Yeah, it was like, uh, we're going to have a team. Where are you going to put the arena? Canada. Okay. Uh, really? You should have an, you should have an arena downtown. Too late. We're going to Canada. And, uh, like, I've read, uh, I've read quite a bit about this because I lived in Ottawa when the, the first sort of LeBreton Flats deal came up and went down because Eugene Melnick and his partner couldn't agree on anything and ended up suing each other. Uh, but now they're actually, there's actually a group that agrees on things uh, and it looks like it's going to happen. We'll see how long it takes for them to actually build something in Ottawa. Anybody anybody from Ottawa listening knows how long it takes for things to actually get built. But as um, we were talking about earlier, Stu, uh, the people building it are the same that did both the, uh, the Islanders and the Seattle buildings, which took two years to build. So there's hope. And yeah. in my opinion, with the relocation, I think Ottawa should look to rebrand a little bit because you're you're going to gain a whole new like area of people joining you're trying to instead of just keeping the current fans totally happy try to be more inclusive find a way to get those new people like interested and engaged Stu brought this up but maybe try to like try to really grab the like people from Gatineau because now they could walk there so my thought would be add a little like crest on the shoulder that is a bridge the bridge over to Gatineau like something like that like it doesn't have to be that specifically but could be time to shake things up. Maybe get a new name. Who cares? Like, get crazy with it. New colors. Like, it's time to shake things up in Ottawa because you're trying, like, no, you're not building a whole new franchise, but this could be an opportunity to really push your franchise into the next step. And, like, I guess, like, I know that Eugene Malnick checkered, checkered past sort of with the, the Ottawa fan base and he had his amazing ups, like saving the franchise, and his amazing downs, like the biggest weekend in Ottawa Senators' baby history when they were hosting the, the outdoor game, said, uh, yeah, we might move. Uh, and a whole, a whole thing of star players getting pissed off at him is his whole relationship with Alfredson. Now that he's gone, maybe it is a chance to to completely move on. Like I know that his 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 family and his daughters are still involved with the team, but maybe the maybe it's time to break out of the the shell. Evan, yeah, I think I think you guys made uh, some good points, but more than anything else, it's having a good location, especially for. A major sports franchise is so significant, and what what you're able to do with that, I think, is just it will help you just so far down the future if you do it right. You know, 
like if you think about different sports franchises that are embedded in major cities and in the like the social life there and everything else think about how even if their arena is not even used for hockey but other things and how that makes ottawa just a better more vibrant community right for like concerts and shows and different things of that sort and even other sporting events just I think it's a really good thing, honestly, for the Senators, but for the community of Ottawa as well. And hopefully, like you guys were saying, like, Gatino is right nearby, and you can, like, maybe increase your fan base. Um, and I also think some sort of, like, rebranding in some sort of ways would would be good for them. You know, taking next steps forward and not have Ottawa just be the same franchise it's been under, you know, like, for the last, like, 20 20 odd years right so um definitely a lot to look forward to and um excited to see what happens the the point you make there about uh location is so important like i remember uh reading something about just like the location of your your stadium and your team's value if you have a a downtown Stadium in sort of prime real estate, your team is more valuable than if your stadium is out in Newark, New Jersey. Well, like, look at the Bell Center. You're, you can access it on the Metro. Two different lines, Evan? Correct me if I'm wrong. Like, within five-minute walk from a Metro station, two different lines? Uh, or Yeah. One of them has a tunnel directly. Yeah, in. Orange Line, I think, has one. And then Green Line, yeah. they're super close. Exactly. So, like, two different metro lines in and you're at the stadium as well as you are downtown so just people walk there so yeah oh, sorry if, finish your yeah finish so like, even if you aren't like if you're coming from laval even you can go park your car at the like furthest away metro station and metro all the way in and not worry about parking like that is a huge difference yeah well i I was saying I was talking to somebody in in class today at my sports journalism school uh, about when I lived in Ottawa. I think I went to like maybe one Sens game a year in the four years I was there, and like Ottawa Senators tickets while I was there were dirt cheap for some games. Like, I went to one of the games I went to, I think we paid, like, 25 bucks each, and we were sitting in the 200s. Like, the tickets were cheap. It was like a, it was a weeknight game against Nashville. So, like, obviously, that's not necessarily a murky game. But it took me an hour and a half to get from my house in kind of downtown Ottawa to get out to Canada and then an hour and a half back on transit. This new rink is going to be on the LRT line and I know that Ottawa's LRT has had all a whole ton of problems. I think that this is a much better location and they'll be able to get a lot more people and like you can have people go to Go to dinner in, at, at Byward Market and catch a train to go catch the Sens game. Like, there's so many more options, like, for people to go to the Sens game and go out on the town after. 
like before it was if you if you lived it if you lived in Ottawa like you were scrambling to get out to the the parking lot in the middle of the second period because you were like I don't want to get stuck in traffic on the Queensway. It's just a much better situation. Yeah. Moving past to coaching talks. So there's been a couple coaching hires. First of all, Pete DeBoer, the man that brought the Sharks all the way up to the final, the man that brought New Jersey all the way up to the final, um, is now in Dallas. So uh, chances are they make it up to the final. And uh, I like this 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 hire because they're... I mean, I don't like this hire, and I do. I don't think that... Uh, I don't think that Dallas should be trying to win every single year, but ownership thinks they do. So for that purpose, I think he's going to be good. I like the fact that he's back with Joe Pavelski, where last time Joe Pavelski played with Pete DeBoer, he had 56 goals. I've heard rumors that if Klingberg doesn't sign, they might go after either Petrie or Burns. So reunite Burns with Pete DeBoer also sounds pretty fun. I think that this helps keep them competitive, and if that's their goal, which, again, I don't necessarily think it should be their goal, but if it is their goal, I think this is a good move. I just want to jump in quickly before we move on to some other coaching news. Uh, the Players Association for the Premier Hockey Federation, which is the Women's Hockey League in the United States mostly, I know that they're getting, they have one Canadian team in the Toronto Six. They're going to get more Canadian teams probably in the future, maybe. We'll see. The discussion about women's hockey is for another day, but they released a statement strongly condemning the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade and support everyone's right to bodily autonomy. So there has been a hockey league that has acknowledged this, thankfully. Nice. Thanks for bringing it up, Stu. Really important. Yep, good job there. The pros of scrolling Twitter. <laughs> there aren't many. But I was going to say, one. they're not that many, but yeah. That's coming from a guy that like, <laughs> has avoided that me. dumpster fire for pretty much as long as I, yeah, still, still, still continue to avoid that. Anyway. Evan, Moving you, on. Evan, what do you think of Pete DeBoer? What do I think? I think he's a good coach. He has a track record of ring teams of the finals, right? You mentioned the Devils. Obviously, the Sharks, you know, competitive with with Vegas, didn't quite make it to the final, but, you know, they went to the Western Conference Finals, right, at least, I think, twice, right, under him. But, yeah, they're fairly competitive, and I think that's going to continue with Dallas. Hopefully, I think he'll – I don't know. I, I feel confident enough that he can he can somehow get Sagan and Ben going and, like, going again. Maybe not to like the levels that we knew, like we knew that they're capable of, but I think that they should be at least competent and not getting dunked on by like their own management and owner. <laughs> so Riley, that's always a good thing. Yep, Riley. A quick thing that I saw, uh, I believe it was Corey Masiek of the Athletic, who's the Sharks beat writer, brought up. It was in the yeah, it was in the the teardown piece. Yep. Which, did you read? Did you get to? I did. Yeah, I read it. Uh, he talked about the potential of a Burns trade to Dallas. Yeah, I just said uh, that. If, um, I think, like, if 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 they if they can't sign Coinberg, which they probably can't, and it sounds like he, like he has a 
basically ranch in Texas, right? Yeah, those um, were summers. So Pete DeBoer's there. Joey Pavs is there. His ranch is there. But his $8 million contract might not be there. <laughs> so that's why I think Petrie's more likely, but if they can't make a Petrie deal work, I could see it being Burns. All my hope is if if that has to happen. Uh, one, that means that the Sharks are tearing down, which, again, I have no problem with. I just want the Sharks to pick a direction, whether that's we go in, try to get Pasternak, try to get Dabrinkat, try to get whatever it is. If we make a big splash and make a big push, great. If we tear down, great. But... I think if there's a three, what, he has a three team. So if there's three teams, he'd be on that list. So it is possible. I just hope we don't retain. Fair enough. To uh, the crazy shenanigans in Florida. What the fuck? <laughs> Why? Thank you. Why? Thank you. I need answers here. So you have a guy that that wins you a president's trophy is in the uh, the top three for best coach of the year, and you go, nah, we're going to bring in a guy who has won, has gone to the playoffs less times than he has in his 24 years. A guy that has had eclipsed 100 points once. A guy who's known for being a great player coach, which is, you know, always nice, but doesn't run a lot of systems. And when I watched uh, the Battle of Florida, it looked like Florida was being coached by someone who didn't know what he was doing, which is fair. It was his first time coaching. But honestly, like, I think you bring in, I don't know, Doug Gilmore to coach, and he might do better and might run more systems, and he's never coached in the NHL. So I I think this hire is a step back for them, and I wish them luck with it, but why? So I will speak to Paul Maurice for a little bit. Uh, so, other than Winnipeg, I would say that Paul Maurice has been hired to coach teams that he's supposed to coach, like, up, if that makes sense. So, like, the 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 time he made the cup final with Carolina in 2002, 2001, uh, Carolina Hurricanes... Quick, quick Google search. Check myself before I wreck myself. Carolina Hurricanes made the cup final in 2001, 2002. Uh, and that was a team that punched above their weight. Outside of Winnipeg, he's been hired to coach teams to try and punch above their weight, um, which is why he doesn't have a fantastic... Uh, playoff record. And I think he's a fantastic guy from all accounts. And I thought it was funny that somebody tweeted he's not done with coaching. It turns out that he was done with Winnipeg. Uh, but I, I agree with Riley too. That's just really <laughs> I funny. I agree with Riley. Funny. Yeah. I, well, after I, hearing about that locker room, wouldn't you be done with them? But I do agree with Riley, and I heard down goes Brown on the latest Puck Soup, so to say, if you were going to hire Bruce Cassidy or hire Barry Trotz, yeah, I, I could see why you why you move on. But Paul Maurice is not the guy you move on from, or you move on to. And I think Riley 
Should have summed up why. Uh, Evan, before you jump in, what the fuck? <laughs> uh, we should coin that on, dude. We should, like, just use that as a sound effect at this point. I'm done. Yeah, we should, honestly, you know what? I'm, I was going to say we should let our listeners vote, but I'm like, nah, it's just too good not to use it. <laughs> Someone just says something, like, absurdly stupid. We just cue that. <laughs> So you're going to use it on me a lot, aren't you? Uh, maybe, maybe. Right. Uh, next piece of news, Jay Woodcroft re-ups in Edmonton. That doesn't shock me. This is uh, what could have happened in Florida. There you go. I was literally yeah, about true. to say that. <laughs> well, the, the funny thing, like, the thing I have with, like, sort of the different in those two situations was Florida was, like, 7-0 and when the whole... Chicago Blackhawks thing, and uh, Joel Quinville was forced to resign. Um, and then, on the flip side, when the Edmonton Oilers fired Dave, Dave Tippett, it was because they were bad. They were looking like they weren't going to make the playoff bad. And Jay Woodcroft comes in, and they right the ship. So no, no, I can no. understand. Hold on, you're skipping over one big thing. They added a forty goal scorer at the same time. <laughs> that is true. They, <laughs> yes, yeah. You add someone who's on a forty goal pace. You should get better. Gen- yeah, <laughs> that's true. Whereas Burnett, like he didn't come in and change everything and shoot like shoot the dog and like make them crash and burn. Shoot he maintained. The, dog. <laughs> the other thing with. Uh, with Woodcroft in the second half was um, Mike Smith realized he could be a competent goalie. I think he was healthy. And not not hurt. (laughs) Yeah. So, like, I think Woodcroft got a better situation, but I don't discount them re-upping because he did well in the playoffs. I like the way he ran his his playoff lineups. Like, I don't, like, him in the regular season, I write it off, honestly, because of all the reasons we just gave, but the fact that he did well in the playoffs and looked like a very competent coach in the playoffs, did really well with the changes, like when he had the home advantage, I give him way more credit for the playoffs than I do like the regular season. And then the last piece of coaching news is that Barry Trotz is not going to coach anywhere. Yeah, right. Just wait. He is. Well, he, he told the NHL.com in an exclusive that he has decided he's going to sit Gonna sit the year out, and I would not be surprised if we see him in some sort of management role with the Nashville Predators sometime. I mean, the Sharks GM job's open. Any possibility? I mean, if they're gonna offer, I from what I've heard, the. The Sharks were down to, I think, Elliot Friedman's on the last, not the last. You say they're down to Elliot Friedman. I was like, what? <laughs> no, uh, Elliot Friedman said on the 31 Thought, or 32 Thoughts podcast two episodes ago that they're down to somewhere between seven and three candidates. And most of them don't have previous GM experience. Patrick Marlowe? Did you um, see Patrick Marlowe? Mike Greer was one of the names, if you remember him. 
at all. But, uh, yeah, so that was the, the latest there. Anniversary of a couple of trades for, well, a trade for my Leafs and a trade for Riley's Sharks that are big. The uh, big one today for all Leafs fans listening, close your ears, mute your podcast. It's Rask for Raycroft Day. And for the San Jose Sharkies, today was the day they landed a star forward. Well, kind of. <laughs> I was waiting for you to say something. This is when we got Norris winning forward Brent Burns. A Norris. joyous day. Norris winning have, Rover? <laughs> I have loved having Burns on my team. He's the most fun guy to watch. He logs a ton of minutes. By that I mean he's 35 now. Correct me if I'm wrong. Brent Burns. And he logged the most minutes in the NHL this past season. Brent Burns is 37. Oh, he's 37. Yeah, give him even more credit, Riley. Come on, hype him up. Indeed, it is a joy not a joyous day, but a joyous time. Yeah. We brought in a guy who helped our franchise, and we traded away Charlie Coyle, who, if I'm not wrong, checks notes, is being overpaid to be a center in... Boston. Yeah. Well, are we surprised? It's Boston. Yeah, See, but Rolly agrees. Rolly agrees in the background. Oh. <laughs> he agrees. Yes, he's looking at me, wagging his tail. He's like, yes. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no, like, this guy is a joy to watch. I've seen him in person, and honestly, I could spend, like, two hours just watching him warm up to play hockey. That's how fun he is. He does a lot of really fun spins and skating things. He's a beautiful skater. Man, Kevin LeBanc coming back from injury when he finally was like saying was no longer like red shirt like no hit. He was like asked who hits the hardest, and he went, "Are you? Do you have to ask?" It's Burns. And as we said, he's thirty seven, and yet I'm pretty sure if you ask a lot of forwards in the league, do you want to go up against Brent Burns? I think a lot of them say no. It used to be, oh, I don't want to be against Shea Weber. He's so strong. I think Burns might be in that conversation at least for guy you really don't want to go against in the corner or in front of the net. Or for a lot of years it was Chara. A lot of years it was Chara. A lot of years it was Drew Doughty. I think Burns got overlooked on a lot of those because of how good offensively he is. But, like, the guy yeah, is a people, people discounted his physical presence, Oh my I think, god, for a while. I think he's the best hip check in the entire league. Like, he's so good not, at it. Not too much argument for me there. Actually... Close off with uh, some Stanley Cup final thoughts as the game is currently on with the Tampa Bay Lightning up 2-1, minute 27, 26, 25. Just to point out, uh, Corey Perry has two assists. Jan Ruda scores his first of the playoffs uh, to get the first goal in the game, also assisted by Sergeyev. Nishushkin ties it up with Makar McKinnon giving the assists. And then Kucherov scores his first of the finals to make it eighth of the playoffs from Stan Coast and Perry. Avalanche are up 26 to 18 in shots, so Vasilevsky, he's doing Vasilevsky things. And now, apparently, Val Nishushkin is kind of his kryptonite. <laughs> well, just shoot high blocker oh. on Vasilevsky, and there you go. Well, I wanted, yeah. to, I wanted to bring up, uh, in our discussion about the final, I wanted to bring up this, uh, it was Jared Book. Uh, who's the Habs Eyes on the Prize managing editor, he tweeted that uh, it's funny that 
today is a day of celebration in Quebec City because uh, it's Saint-Jean-Baptiste Day. Um, or not just Quebec City, but Quebec the province. It's possible that the team that they lost is, could win the Stanley Cup tonight and they'll be partying. <laughs> and as somebody else pointed out, Colorado has lost three games in the whole playoffs. Now Tampa needs to make sure that they lose three straight in order to keep their own cup streak going. Yeah. Good luck with yeah, that. Yeah, pretty crazy. <laughs> pretty crazy stuff. That's a great stat there that you pointed out, Stu. Really remarkable run. I mean, they had two sweeps on the way to the Stanley Cup final. Kind of ridiculous. You think about it. I mean, they absolutely dismantled Nashville. It wasn't even close. It was literally like Connor Ingram that first game that he played. Literally carried them, and then he got killed after by the Avalanche. Literally by an Avalanche. And then... The shots in that series were like 150 to like 70 it, or something. It was, it, was, it was crazy. It was like lopsided. It was just yeah. like literally you were watching the game, like Ingram just being like an absolute god in net while he could. And then like it was just a, it was like inevitable, right, that that... that the Avalanche would win. Like a peewee team facing a midget team. Yeah, and then like and then like credit to the Blues. They they experienced team, right? Right? And they 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 eked out two wins against the Avs. Cool. And then like Benjamin went down with injury. I think if he didn't, maybe the game would have gone one more. Who knows? Right? And then they freaking swept the Oilers, which is hysterical. Even though McDavid and Dry settled did everything they could to make that as much of a scoring gallery as they could in that game four, which was absolutely phenomenal to watch. Vander Kane getting injured or suspended for the whole series. <laughs> yep, exactly. And then I loved when uh, when he got the suspension, and everybody's like, "Well, Vander Kane's been suspended for the rest of the season." <laughs> uh, he has so many adoring fans, right, guys? <laughs> Understatement of the century. No, no, I can't even joke about that. Do we owe him money? Tell me. <laughs> True. It's your, dude, it's, yeah, it's that, your team's problem, man. I just feel bad for you more than anything else. Well, it could be oh, another. Well, it could be team. another team in the league's problem it too. Really could be. We're no, apparently, uh, but on that note, according to reports, like talking to multiple GMs, some that aren't actually interested in Kane, no team will sign him without having agreed upon trade backup, like where we would retain to trade him. Mm. And we can't do that without having a GM. Well, so like yeah, good. the league is really, really screwing us over right now. So, um, yeah. Why is this arbitrator on vacation when it matters the most? Because the league's incompetent. Oh, I was going to say Gary Bettman just hates the Sharks, I guess, then. Or he hates you, so that's why, he, that's why he's screwing over your team, you know? Apparently, he's heard me talk about him way too many times. Yes. Man's just intimidated by anyone over the height of, like, five foot. <laughs> <laughs> Therefore, he would be intimidated by all three of us. Oh, gosh. I don't have no idea how tall he actually is. He just always looks tiny. He is tiny, though. <laughs> uh... Oh, stupid Google. Because I'm in Canada, it when I you. Google height, it gives it to me in meters. I don't need height in meters. Give it to me in feet. <laughs> Gary Bettman's five foot six. Uh, I was going to say like five, five or something, but okay. 
What I'm hearing is no team would draft him uh, in the top five. That's why he's a salty little. He's a well, salty. if he li- if he li- if he lied and said he was five eight, he could get some. He's an extra salty Pringle, guys. Extra uh, salty Pringle. Okay, I wanted to uh, get to I, one last. Wait, hold on. Wanted... Sorry, I have to respond to, the, to what Evan said there. I think you yeah. mean he's sour cream and onion. Ah, yes, very good, very good. Okay, I wanted to get to one last thing uh, before we wrap, and that is uh, the Consmite Trophy. So I threw some odds from their uncovers.com from DraftKings Sportsbook from this morning on the playoff MVP. So Kale McCarr was the favorite, McKinn second, Rantanen third, Landeskog fourth. Landeskog, who I will point out, scored the first goal in every series and every single game against Tampa this year for the Avs. And then Vasilevsky, Val Nishushkin. I think that Nazem Kadri was further down the list and potentially has a, a decent chance. Uh, I've seen the question of should Connor McDavid still get votes or Matt Larkins. Uh, of Daily Faceoff pointed out he's still in the lead for playoff points as of this morning uh, by six, and he hasn't played in 18 days. Riley and Evan, as we go into the third period of Game 5, who would your Smythe Trophy vote go to? Evan, you want to take the lead first, or you want me to go? Uh, I'll let you go first. McCarr. We just saw him win a major award. We know that the NHL only likes to vote on guys that do that. Recency bias is in his favor. He's been really good this playoffs. He shut down uh, McDavid really well and uh, puts up a lot of points. So, um, yeah, pretty easy pick. Don't take a lot of issue with that. Okay, so my answer is the same as yours, but that's if the if the Avalanche win. Um, if Tampa wins, it's Vasilevsky hands down. And on the fringe of just what we mentioned about McDavid, yeah, he deserves some consideration, but I don't necessarily... As for the votes, that's uh, whatever. Should he win it? No, I don't think so, but him still being in the lead... If he came points, third place... I would not be mad, but if even if he came in third place, to be honest, he... Incredible, absolutely incredible performance from McDavid. Can I jump in before you give your takes, Stu? Yeah. Do you think Corey Perry should get some votes? He has, like, four points in the last two games and then, like, has some other points and has been pretty consistent throughout the whole playoffs. Do you think he should get some votes if if Tampa wins? Uh, if Tampa wins and he has another, like, big game, maybe. But I would have... I would have Nazem Kadri ahead of him. Yeah, for sure. Especially if, if he could score... If Nazem Kadri scores another big goal in this series... I think outside of Kale McCarr, it's his trophy. And I was a big Nazem Kadri fan in Toronto. Still, I'm a huge fan of his. I thought that it made sense when they traded him. The trade they made didn't make sense. But everything he's been through in this playoffs, like, if he can come, like, he's all, he's obviously playing hurt. Like, Andrew Cogliano told media that his return got sped up by months, not weeks, uh, so that he could be back. And that's incredible. Cogliano is a shark. Like, fantastic. Like, like as much as, like, we don't want 
Uh, we don't push play part um, too much, obviously. Like with CT and stuff, like you know, concussions. We know that that's a, a, a incredibly dangerous thing. But playing like if you can play and you're playing through a broken finger, like I don't think that that's necessarily an injury that's going to get a ton worse. Unless people are slashing at your hands, which the refs have now been told of the injuries, I believe. So if they see that, they're going to call it way more than just like they would have like otherwise. Yeah, but then and then just the the bullshit that Kadri and his family had to deal with during the St. Louis series, and he's been he's been fantastic. So if he not to like discount any of that, but. I mean, it kind of fueled him, didn't it? Oh, breaking coaching news, which I think I saw earlier, but Elliot Friedman's reporting it right now, that the Blackhawks are expected to hire Luke Richardson, former Habs associate. Yeah, I've been He's, seeing rumors of that. Yeah, no. Yeah, he was... I, yeah. Uh, I saw that today, too, actually. Uh, shout out to Jordan. He'll, he's, he'll, probably, he'll probably be listening at some point. But yeah, shout out to Jordan. He he sent me that piece of news. Okay, guy. Yes. Jordan, you you know who you are, obviously. Um, yeah, I, I mean, the way we discussed it very briefly was we're happy for him, but we also feel kind of sorry for him, him joining the Hawks organization, just in light of what, you know, our, our discussion previously at the beginning of the podcast. But um, I'd be curious to know what the contract is because, like, it's short term. Like, this is a stepping stone for him to, like, get into other coaching jobs. Yeah, right? of course, exactly. And so we're, we're hoping... That it goes well for him, obviously, because he he was a great he was a great coach for for Montreal, and he really stepped up there when Dominic Ducharme was out with COVID. And I think he's he's a real like players coach. I think you could see that with how players respond to him, especially. The Usually, like that that sort of coach, like a players coach, uh, I think makes a lot of sense in sort of the early stages of your your rebuild. Yeah, so uh, getting back to it, Paul Maurice is uh, helping the the Florida Panthers rebuild. <laughs> Don't tell that to Barkov yeah. and Huberto. Well, Huberto's going to be gone in two years, so he is. He, well, yeah, I guess two years, but last year of his contract this upcoming season. That, that five and a half million. Is that uh, all we got for this week? That's all I have for this all right, week. Well, I'm going to guess uh, Colorado wins in OT tonight. This is gonna be fun, guys. We should we should hop on and watch that after this. Okay. Uh I think I think it's going back to Tampa. Back to Tampa, Evan? Uh Colorado. In regular regular or well, what's the score two? right now? Two one Tampa. I'll say OT. All right. So well if if Riley and Evan are right, the next time we talk to you, the Colorado Avalanche will be Stanley Cup champions. Maybe the same thing is true about me. I think that they could win in Game Six, and I don't think we're doing a podcast before Game Six. So we'll Thanks see you when uh, Colorado may or may not be Stanley Cup champions, folks. Thanks a lot for listening. We really appreciate it. Um, we know this is a bit of a, a heavy conversation to have, but if you did listen, we really appreciate it, and like try to come away with it with some knowledge. And like we don't think we know everything, so please do your own research on these topics and. Be informed. It's well, important. As as we said earlier, education, education, education. Go read trusted sources like the New York Times, like the Globe and Mail in Canada, the CBC News in Canada. 
other places like the Washington Post in the U.S. I would say is a credible source too. And read your credible sources. Get your news from import get from those important credible sources and stand up for what's right. There you go. You heard it from Stu himself. Thanks for listening, guys. As always. Mm-hmm.